up next on the Common Free Podcast, entrepreneur and performance coach, Allie Kirshner. Isn't it interesting that self-reflection can both be a blessing and a curse? Sometimes you overanalyze and you can really talk yourself into many stories and narratives that might not even exist, but that's also where the beauty is. You're listening to the Calm and Free Podcast with your host, Pooja Model. In this podcast, we deliver timeless wisdom to help you calmly pursue your greatest self and a life of meaning in an ever-changing, fast-paced world. Welcome to the Calm and Free Podcast. Ali Kirshner is an entrepreneur, coach, and creative at The Art of Coaching, and formerly a sports performance coach with Stanford University and their 2021 Women's Basketball National Championship team. Originally from Palo Alto, California, she was a student athlete at Duke University where she was captain of the Blue Devils women's soccer team. In this special episode, Allie and I talk in detail about why embracing change is a necessary life skill and has been since time immemorial, an insight found in various ancient philosophies, but especially relevant in today's fast-moving world. We also talk about shedding beliefs about identity that may be holding you back, as well as how to re-examine your personal definition of success in a way which brings you calm and inner peace. Without further ado, Ali Kirshner. Well, most recently, you were the strength and conditioning coach over at Stanford University and part of that women's uh, national championship team, women's basketball. And you've pivoted now to more of an entrepreneurial role over at The Art of Coaching. And you recently gave a talk over at the National Strength and Conditioning Association on change. And I love the topic because change is really about embracing impermanence. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much you know about Buddhist philosophy, but that's a core tenant there. This idea that the more we embrace this idea that our thoughts are coming and going, life is coming and going all the time, the more at peace we are. And the more we stick to and try to crave things that we want to be permanent, the more suffering comes into our life. So what a beautiful topic. And, you know, of course, in Buddhism, change is impermanence. That's the kind of uh, word they use. I would love for you to just give us a Cliff Notes version of what you talked about there for people who didn't see it and who would want to know what you said. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I think that change to me comes down to a release of control and an embrace of chaos and the beauty within that. We have a we have a saying within our company which is chaos equals clarity because through the mess come the answers. And you know, it's really interesting. The reason why I wanted to talk about change is because I I witnessed and I kind of self-reflected on my experience through coaching and really the changes that I went through to get to the place that I am now and this also will change right but the 
the the big lesson that I guess I really learned and realized about my my journey was how strict and narrow I had defined my role initially in coaching. And, you know, that's for a multitude of factors. It was my the way that my mentors had had taught me. It was being young and exuberant and reading the books and following the tenets and philosophies that have already been established. The cultural mandates of a profession and you know the the people that have come before you and then it was sort of this evolution of kind of unlearning some of those things and realizing that there are so many different ways to accomplish something and how do i how do i release those things to get closer to what i want to do and how i view coaching or at least my role within it and um yeah i guess i kind of you know, I, I think there's a lot of different philosophies of change. The one that I talked about was Kurt Lewin's three uh, three stages of change, which are unfreezing, changing, and refreezing, and sort of pinpointed some moments in my career where I could recognize unfreezing, which is just like recognition that something needed to change, yeah. and then the changing process itself, which was like I said, messy and chaotic, and I was trying on different things and iterating and innovating. And then kind of landing upon this new strategy on what of which I kind of hope that I never refreeze because isn't that the beauty of change is like keeping yourself open to yes. always changing. So I, I think it was this message of I, I think I don't even remember who said it first, but being stubborn on vision but flexible on details. And you know, how do you you know, just embrace that, that mess, like I said before, and, and realize that everything is impermanent. Yeah. It's such a, a core life lesson. You know, there's a Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh. He said, what makes us suffer is wanting things to be permanent when they are not. And it's easier said than done in terms of kind of practicing that every day of our lives, but really being able to let go you know, that's, that's a incredibly important concept. I think here in, you know, our culture, um, you know, is really looked at as a weakness, but letting go, isn't it so much of a, of a strength? Yeah. It's, it's letting go of what has been done just because that's been the standard up till now, but, um, realizing that what served somebody else or what served a previous time period might no longer serve us now. And the it's balancing that awareness with, okay, I, I understand that something that needs to change with, well, how do I actually dip my toe in the water and try on the new things? Because that's incredibly scary for a lot of people, including myself. Yes. Um, and, and knowing that it's going to, you're going to stumble and you're going to fail a few times. But I think I came to this easier because I'm a, a child of the Silicon Valley and move fast and break things is, you know, ingrained in the DNA, it seems like, or it's something in the water. But I think that's uh, it. No matter, you know, it's no matter what you're trying to change, there's still so many obstacles in the way. And that was another part of it is like, you know, what does stop people from change? even when they recognize that they need to? Is it tradition? Is it um, fear? Is it intertwined identity? Is it sunk cost fallacy? 
there's so many different reasons, but pinpointing where you might not be changing is really the first step. Yeah, I love that you touched on fear because um, I want to get to that a, a little bit later. One thing that I find so, so just fantastic about you, Ali, is your self-awareness and your ability to self-reflect. And uh, I see it a lot. I see it in your postings. I see it in your work. You know, we all know this, this uh, very wise quote from Socrates, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. And so many of us believe that changing the world happens on the outside, changing other people, changing companies, changing the outside. But actually, what really changes the world is changing the inside, the inner skills that we cultivate. I love how you, it seems to me, and, and you can expand on this, you want so deeply to be true to yourself, to be authentic. And being the best coach, which is your business, relies on being authentic, 100% authentic. What have you learned about yourself and in your self-reflections and your self-study, um, especially through COVID? Oh, my gosh. Where do I even start? I mean, I think I already was a self-reflective person. And then you give me 12 more hours a day. <laughs> and it was, you know, I, I think we've actually had this conversation offline, but isn't it interesting that uh, self-reflection can both be a blessing and a curse because sometimes you overanalyze, right? It's only natural. And you can really talk yourself into many stories and narratives that might not even exist. But that's also where the beauty is, is if you if you do dig deep enough and, and you ask yourself some hard questions, you'll probably get closer to the truth. And what's the alternative? Not self-reflecting, right? So, <laughs> um, but some things I learned about myself, I definitely, I, I think I already knew this, but I, I realized and really had a, a reckoning with my need for control. And I came up, when I come up against not being able to control something or being out of control, as many of us felt in COVID, like we couldn't determine when this was going to end or when the vaccine was going to come or any of these things. And when I'm up against that constraint is when I really feel that it's like a longing for grasping control somewhere else in my life. And that, you know, for me, that previously in my life came in controlling food and exercise. And I, I just think I, now I come back to this quote, which is, we control the things we don't trust. And it really, really broke my heart when I realized that I was controlling myself, meaning I didn't trust myself. And I think that was one of the hardest lessons I learned in self-reflection was my need for control and my lack of trust in myself. But you're right. I, I definitely am very reflective. Yeah. And, and, and back to this fear piece, you know, a lot of people struggle with being self-reflective because it's uncomfortable. Um, you kind of peel back a lot of layers that you really don't want to. And, and you touched on this earlier. A lot of it has to do with identity, with, you know, who we believe we are in the eyes of others or in the eyes of societal constructs. 
And for so many, um, you know, I call them subtle fears, fears or micro fears. For so many, um, there's this fear of losing your your identity or losing your self worth. And you know, we we both know that the only way to really overcome that is to you know a kind of recognize that, and and b then of course find ways to overcome that through your coaching with other coaches. What ways, what tools do you use to help this vulnerability come out with people so others can learn how to tap into self and to really live a life where they're not identifying themselves as, you know, a coach or I went to Stanford, so I have to be this way or, you know, I, I uh, was with a coach hoodie on, you know, at Kansas. So I have to behave or act or um, uh, kind of fit this mold. You know, so many of us deal with that. What are some tools you use in the art of coaching and with your work to help people? Man, what a, what a beautiful question. Um, I think this is the hardest thing to get anyone to do, let alone a coach who is, or, or really any leader, we use the term um, interchangeably, because like you said, I think those who are most committed to a role or most committed to serving are most likely to suffer from these feelings of either intertwined identity or sunk cost fallacy in which you've put so much time and effort and energy, money, emotional investment into something, your career, your job, the people that you serve, and the idea of changing or switching that role or stepping back and taking a different approach feels like you're abandoning that investment that you've made. And so I think it really is the most committed among us that suffer from these kind of beliefs. So first, it's it's a recognition that we're all that way, and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, like it that's that's totally natural. And then it's it's a we we have many different tools that we use, um, especially at some of our workshops that people really resonate with. With which are we use something called the Joe Harry window. Are you? familiar with the Joe Harry window? Not at all. So this is a really cool tool and I would encourage you to do it with your family, your friends. It's, I wish it was like named for some exotic reason, but it's literally a guy named Joey, Joe and a guy named Harry. <laughs> there were two, uh, there are two psychologists that came together and they came up with this and it's essentially a window pane. So there's four quadrants and across the top it's information that's known to others and on the other axis it's information known to self and basically it's hard to without visualizing but i'll just try to give a brief def definition of each one quadrant is your open window which is information that is public that's information that everybody knows about you and that you know about yourself and then I'm trying to remember the order of them. Then you have your hidden window, which is information that you know, but nobody else knows. Mm -hmm. That's maybe uh, a fear that you have. Maybe that's uh, insecurity. That's something that you're hiding from literally everybody. Then you have your uh, closed window or let me, let me, your blind window. I'm sorry, which is information that you don't know about yourself and nobody knows about you. 
So um, I'm just trying to pull up the thing so I don't uh, mince my words here because yeah. I think Let's I already, <laughs> I so think I already did a little bit. But um, let's see here. Um, so the okay. So I'm sorry. The the unknown window is information that's unknown to you and unknown to others. So that would be like I have no idea how I would be as an astronaut, right? Like I've just never put myself in that that situation. Um, and then the last one is the uh, let me see the blind. Yeah, sorry, the blind window, which is information that you don't know about yourself, but others know about you. Like, do I have food in my teeth? <laughs> right. And so I basically ask people to take this window and adjust the lines of those axes to show us in certain situations, which part of the window is most open. So we say like, mm. for example, at home with your family, how are each of these panes of the window adjusted in ratio? And that will allow you to see that like, okay, at home, I'm very open. Everybody knows everything about me. I'm not hiding anything. But maybe at work, I have a big hidden window. I'm not showing a whole lot. I'm not super vulnerable. I'm not super um, forthcoming about how I'm feeling. And, you know, situationally, these are all, these can all serve us, right? In an interview, you might not want to share everything yet because you're just getting to know somebody. So none of these should be taken in a vacuum as good or bad. But this exercise of asking people situationally, to be aware of how they're maybe coming across to others and what they're sharing is a really good launch point for the understanding that you change who you are and what you choose to disclose based on who you're around, what situation you're in. And maybe that's not serving you. Maybe people need more from you. Maybe you are approaching a situation that would really benefit you if you were more open, but you've chosen to be very closed or hidden. And so it's just exercises like that to just kind of introduce this idea that our awareness is fluid and our identity is even fluid within certain situations that really, I think, starts the process of unfreezing people to the idea that it's okay to like look inside and, and know that who you are in one situation doesn't mean that that's who you are in every situation. And that freedom to be multiple different versions of yourself I think is the first step to realizing that self-awareness is not this like crazy woo-woo, like, right. It's not this practice. that's something that you really got to like get in touch with your chakras and all this stuff, but rather something super practical and also tangible in a lot of ways. Uh, super practical. I mean, we can even say it's invaluable, isn't it? To being, the best version of yourself to being the best coach, the best parent, uh, the best leader, as you mentioned. Um, I was speaking with someone earlier and, and they said something similar to you that some people think self-awareness is almost quasi spiritual. Um, but in a way, um, going back to that Socrates quote, it, it, it is uh, the, the foundation for, for thriving in our lives. And, and how beautiful that you're implementing uh, this great work with, with the coaches that you teach. I want to talk a little bit um, uh, about inner peace. And, you know, through COVID, um, 
you know, there's so much anxiety going around and especially in work, your work too, I'm sure um, you see it. And I, I've been reading a great book by coach John Wooden, the legend. And um, I'm actually going to give you a copy of, of that. Oh, Allie. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have it. Thank you. Um, just a uh, beautiful life philosophy that, that he kind of crafted not over a year, not over two years, um, but that pyramid of success took him about 14 years to actually put together in a way that he felt he could articulate and teach. And he also came up with this great definition of success, which helped him find inner peace. And in the end, you know, so many of us are really searching for that inner peace. And I want to read you the definition, his definition of success. Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best you are capable of being. And it seems in today's kind of world where we're constantly chasing social validity, you know, through how many likes we have or um, how many people kind of um, know us on on the internet. It's it's hard, isn't it, to kind of um, feel at peace at the end of every day? You know, did I was I successful today? Um, can I feel good with you know what I accomplished today or or how my day went? Um, and I find that you know myself included, you know, a lot of us struggle with just finding that that sense of 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 peace. Um, what have you now defined as success for you? It's a moving target. It, it truly is. You know, I think I, what I really, really wrestle with is on the one hand, I so want to believe that the meaning of life and success is to love and be there for your family and give everything of yourself to them. And that's what I've been told. And that's sort of what we epitomize as like the true meaning of, of love and success, right? Is at the end of the day, can you say that you poured your heart and soul into your family and your friends? And then on the other hand, it's hard to reconcile that with having a purpose and a passion and moving the needle in your creative or work, or if you're a philanthropic whatever that is, because those are oftentimes at odds in terms of the time and energy that we have to spend. If you go 100% in one direction, you cannot go 100% in the other direction. It's just, it, you know, there, there's something has to give. And so when I think about what I want at the end of my life or how I want to define success, I think it's somebody who... Um, did both pretty well, <laughs> knowing that it's not going to be it's not going to be possible to achieve perfection. But somebody that showed up every single day and laid a brick, and we we talk a lot about that is day by day, chaos will come. You know, I'm not a big morning routine person, although I do have one that I try to stick to because it goes back to this idea of control. If you don't have control over it or something happens in your morning, as I know it will, especially as I have kids and things like that, can you get back on track? And so for me, it starts with laying a brick. And at the end of the day, can I say I took one step forward in, in one bucket of my life, at least, whether that's family, whether it's health, whether that's 
work, whether that's serving somebody else. So I haven't come up with a definition of success other than that. But, you know, I, I, I hear from so many coaches now that that's, that's my main clientele. What do you really want? What, and, and most people say pretty cliche things like, I just want to be useful or I just want to help people or things like that. And we, we try to dig a little deeper, right? Like, what do you really want? Like at the end of the day, what does it come down to? And it's just this feeling of I accomplished something. I was able to push the field forward in some way. I was able to make a, an impact in this person's life. Um, but a lot of people, they just want to know that they're doing okay. Like, and a lot of what I do is reassure people that they're on the right track and that they just need to keep laying those bricks because for some reason we've talked ourselves into this narrative of we're not doing enough. We're not. And we've talked about this, you and I, Pooja, of, of how do you sit with just space and that be enough? And so I, I would throw it back to you and say, how do you define success? And what do you do when you don't accomplish something in a day that you wanted to? Yeah, I love your your anecdote, the, the brick laying. This idea that, you know, we get out there every day, we have our plan and we stay present with that plan. I think a lot about success is not obsessing over the destination, staying in that journey, staying in the moment and then at the end of the day, being satisfied with you putting in your 100% effort with that brick, or if it's tomorrow, it might be two bricks, or it might be a half brick one day. But being able to, at the end of the day, letting go of everything, knowing that you gave it your best, you have a plan, you know what your destination is, and it might be met in two years, or it might be met in 20 years but that doesn't matter at all. Kind of forgetting about the, the destination almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Throwing that whole idea away and just only focusing on the journey, the process, the bricklaying. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting you say that. Yeah. Something that's been really weighing on my mind as I like venture off into entrepreneurship is like, what's going to be my brand and my stamp and like, how am I going to bring something new and original? And, and, you know, I really thought hard about, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like wave the female flag because that's really been done and you can, it can be overdone. And then it's the boy who cried wolf. And I was thinking, you know, and then it's like the, you know, the, this path or this path. And somebody told me, they're like, you don't need to be this like flag bearing, you know, like staunch, I'm this and nothing else. Really, just by you being you and laying a brick, you you are creating space and showing that somebody of your demographic or uh, a being a female in this in this world can be successful. And that's way more powerful, actually, than somebody who goes and proclaims that they are this instead lay the brick your identity that you exude with it is the thing that moves the needle forward and that was important for me to hear because originally it was like i want to have my name on something or i want to 
start my own company. And those are still aspirations for sure. But it was more important to me to, to hear that um, I can just be me. And that is still, that's still moving the needle forward for a lot of people. I love that. And the fact that there are so few people who can do that, they can say it and do it. And that's the 100% authenticity that I was talking about earlier with you. And, and thank you so much for being courageous enough to realize that within yourself and, and then go for it. Um, we need more of you in the world. It's thank funny. So it, doesn't, it doesn't feel courageous, right? It like, you can look back on so many things and be like, oh, that was, that was pretty badass. I, I'm, I'm like pretty proud of that thing. But in the moment, it, it doesn't ever feel like that. And so um, I need to, that's one thing I am working on is like um, giving myself the space to be proud, uh, but not satisfied yet, right? Or if I ever will, but more focusing on what you're talking about with presence. That is the thing that I am, I would say, still uh, very much a work in progress. Well, uh, you and 8 billion others <laughs> in the world. Yeah, right. Thank you so much, Allie, for being on today. I hope that authentic conversation with Allie Kirshner generated some insight for you on your own path to finding calm and thriving in a fast-changing world. You can follow Allie at Allie Kirshner on Twitter and at Kirshner.Allie on Instagram. If you've been enjoying these episodes, please text or email today's episode with Allie to a friend and tell them to subscribe so we can continue to share this mission-critical work to many more people. Wishing you all a great week ahead. If you want to read more of my essays on living calm and flourishing in a fast-changing world, you can sign up to my newsletter by following me on LinkedIn or signing up to the newsletter at our new website at calmandfreepodcast.com. Another update, our storytelling videos have premiered and I think you're going to love them. You can find them on LinkedIn or YouTube. Just search Calm and Free Podcast. Thanks as always to Charlene at GoTo Productions and Jessica Panion for art design. And please share this episode with someone you love.